got some news for you guys. I wasn't here last weekend because my son graduated high school. Come on. We got to celebrate all the graduates out there in our lives. This is the season. This is good stuff. Finally kick them out of the house. It's going to be great. No, this is like, we're really just, we're proud of our kids, aren't we? We're like, it's a major accomplishment to graduate high school or college or whatever. And it's, it was good. Um, I love the graduation scene uh, where I think we're kind of finishing up all the schools graduating. It might be completely done. I went to one last night. And I love the graduation because right after the graduation ceremony, you guys know that in Hawaii, we go big with the lays and the love and the signs and the, you know, all of that stuff, right? So I went to my son's. He graduated Kamehameha. Woo! Imua. He, um, we, he was in the Blaisdell, and we went across to the exhibition hall or whatever they have over there, and it's just, it's, it's happy chaos what's going on in that room. It's just like so many people and proud parents, aunties and uncles, you know, everybody's, people are crying. They're so proud. People are laughing, having the greatest time. The whole room just smells beautiful. All the flower lays and you're just, you're so blessed. But the thing I don't like about the graduation is just the amount of people in that room. Like it's, it's stifling, right? It's like you smell all the amazing flowers, but you also smell a lot of B.O. Can I be honest? Like, it's like, oh, Pakalana is so good. Oh, Plumeria. Ooh, onions. Who is that, right? And the poor kids have been in their full gowns for like three hours, so they're sweating. And there's like, I love the feel of the energy, but I'm also a little bit like scared of it, and I just like, I gotta get outside and get some fresh air. Anybody with me in those? Like, like it's hard to be in those super crowded spaces sometimes, and it's, it's awesome, but you feel like you're in everybody's way when they're taking pictures, right? You're like standing with your kids, and then the best thing about the graduation photos in the, those kind of rooms is, you always get the best photo bombers in all of your photos, right? Somebody's uncle is always in the background like this. <laughs> always. Or the guys that know they're in your photo and they're like trying to get out, but they're totally in and you have them forever in your like digital hard drive or whatever. It's so funny, but um, I just can't handle the crowd sometimes. Is anybody like me in the crowded situations like that? It's just like, uh, what about parking spots where you don't have enough space or there's no breathing room? You guys know what the worst parking lot Titus Space is in Kaneohe is? You guys ready for this one? Who would agree? Windward City Shopping Center. Come on. Anybody know? It's tight. Like you just, I'm just trying to get to Ross and I'm picking up door dings every single time. I, right? I'm trying to get to Foodland for the Poke Bowl, right? White rice, extra furukake, and all I'm getting is slammed into by other cars. Like there's just times in our life when we just need more space. Can I get an amen to that? I want to talk about that today. Here's my segue transition right into the sermon. Is it in our finances, in the things that we want to like invest in and we want to save for and the, the hopes and the dreams that we have and the stuff that we want to like be able to spend money on, have you ever felt cramped and trapped and tight and depressed and feel like you have no financial space in your life? Does that apply to anybody in this room right here? My hands are both up. Come on, we feel like this sometimes. And in our FAQ series, a Frequently Asked Question series, today we're going to be answering this question. Take a look at your notes. They're right there. We pass them out to you. Or where else can you find the church notes? It's on the app. Yep, it's all. there's an app for that. It's on our notes. You can fill it in um, right there on the app. But here's a question. Can God help me with my money? Because we need some financial space to breathe and to dream and to, to just make decisions of things that we want to do, not that we just have to do. And so we're going to talk about this question today. Can God help me with my money? I want to talk about a couple things. Maybe 
present a couple thoughts that maybe you personally have, that I personally have, as to why I need more help with my money. Why I'm asking the question, because I do, God, can you help me with my money? You help me with my relationships. You help me with my, my job. You help me find purpose in life. But God, money's a big issue for us. Can you please help me with my money? Now, here's some of the reasons. Maybe you can identify with this. Um, this is reality on why you need help with your money, why I need help with my money. Maybe it's just this one. I, someone came to me after service today and said this. I just never learned about money, and so I don't understand how to really handle my money. It's not that I don't have it or I'm, I'm bad. It's just I never, nobody really helped me and taught me about my money. So maybe that's you here today. It's like, that's, that's why I'm in trouble is I just, I never really learned how to manage it well. Here's another one that you might be saying is, um, well, I have plenty of time to save or to pay off my debt later. And we all fall into that trap sometimes. It's just like, no, I'll deal with it later. I can catch up later. I'm so stoked to find that when it came time that my son graduated and he's thinking about going to college, he wants to register for college, and I'm going, that's great, I want you to, but do we have the money to pay for college? Like, I want to make sure, I don't want to be in debt in loans my whole life. And we started looking, and my wife reminded me, no, remember back in the day, all those years ago, we set up a college fund for Isaac. I'm like, well, how much is in there? So she went and found out. And I was pleasantly surprised at how much money we had saved. That we had the insight, someone advised us way back when, to say, don't put off the savings for things like college and things like that till later, think you're going to pick it up later. I was so stoked that we had started saving way early. And it's going to pay for at least over half of his college already. So I'm like, wow, thank you, Lord. But maybe that's one of the reasons you're in trouble is, uh, I'll save later. I'll pay off my debt later. Maybe you would say this. Uh, here's my problem is I treat my credit card as income. Anybody? You think like if you can just like put it on the card, that's money you have. The reality is it's money you don't have yet, right? You're actually charging something, hoping to pay it off eventually, but you don't actually have the money right there. And if you're not paying off the credit card bills every month on time, you're getting charged with late fees and all of the extra rates and all of that stuff. And we're killing ourselves. Credit cards could be our problem. Here's another one maybe that's you. Is that you would say, I confuse my wants with my needs. Anybody ever fall for that one? You just, too many times you say, I need that, I need that, I need that. Really? It's your third Starbucks grande triple frappuccino of the day. You really need that? No, I need it, Pastor Carl. I need it. Really? And we confuse our needs with our wants. What do we basically really only need in life? Shelter food and water to drink, and we need air to breathe, right? We need some clothing. We need a little bit of transportation. But really, if we boil it down to, there's a whole lot of things that we call needs, but they're just wants, and they put us in debt because we go ahead and buy all this. Maybe you would say this, is my problem is I don't have a budget, so I don't know where all my money goes. In other words, if at the end of the paycheck or end of the month, there's money left over, you just spend it because you just, you're really not sure where everything's going, so you can't manage it well. Maybe that's your deal. Maybe you would say, I don't have set goals, so I'm not motivated to save any money. Now, there's a difference between set goals with a plan versus just goals that you have in your head. You know that it said, I read, I read research that said, people who have set goals, like they wrote it down, they have a plan to fulfill them, people who have set goals are 10 times more likely to reach those goals and achieve those goals than the people that just kind of have an idea in their head. I mean, it's like, if, if I want to go on that trip someday, it's a really good idea in my head. But if I don't set it down and write it down and make it happen, chances are it's never going to happen. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's just this. You're, you're in problems with your money because you just feel that, well, I just, I just deserve more stuff because I love money. 
Anybody, is that you in here, right? Like, it's okay. You ever watch the show Parks and Recreation? And when they have that one saying that once a year, they just, they, they say this, treat yourself, right? You guys ever heard that before? And basically the whole premise is like one day a year, they're just going to go around and they're like, I deserve this. I'm a good person. I work hard. Treat yourself, right? And they're like, oh, should we eat that? It's really expensive. Treat yourself. That's like all day. That's their answer. And they just buy it. Some of us live like that every single day, right? You're like, well, I, I deserve that thing. I mean, that's mine. And I love to spend money and I love stuff. So I'm buying that. And then you find that you can't pay your rent, or you can't pay your bills. And so whatever it might be, these are different reasons. But let me, let me just start by saying this, 1 Timothy 6, chapter 10. Because we're going to talk about what God has to say. Can he help me? It says this in 1 Timothy 6, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some of us, our problem is we, just, we love money, we love spending too much. But the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, listen, I'm not saying money is evil. It says the love of money is evil. It says that you're allowed to like money. Like, I like money. I use money. Um, I need it to operate in life. But I don't love money. I love God. Amen? Like, I can like money, but I love God. And the priorities are God, what do you have to say? Because money comes secondary. We need to be a people that just changes our perspective of money and says, I focus on the giver and not the gifts. And like, that's good that I have all this stuff, but God is what comes first. So we're going to take a look at this today because literally one of you wrote this on the prayer cards last week. Because yes, I read those every single week. Is it, I don't know if it was this service. I don't know what service it was. But as I read through all of the prayer requests and we're praying over them, somebody in their prayer they literally said, among other things, they asked for prayer for this. Please, to God, right? This is their prayer. Please teach me how to save money. And I think that's for a lot of us, is we're just going, I need some help. Does God actually talk about that? I know he talks about love and forgiveness and healing and all that in his book. But what about money? What about the practical kind of stuff? And um, so we want to answer that question. So I'm going to preach about that today. Next week, I'm going to share a little bit more about that. And then we're actually trying to help the church more than just a sermon here and there about money. We actually have been going through this book, our staff together. We're like five weeks into this thing or whatever on this book that we found that's amazing. And it's just called this. I was broke and now I'm not. Now, we've had people on staff that have done the, um, the Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey. And they love it. And some of them teach it. But we're going through this together as a staff and, and they're going, man, this is refreshing. This is new. It lines up with Dave Ramsey. It's biblical, like he's preaching out of the Bible on this, but it's easy. And so we're going through this together as a staff, and we're like, look, I don't want to just preach on this. I want to give my church some practical answers and some help. I want them to get out of debt. I want them to start saving. I want them to learn to manage their money, to win with their money, to have some breathing room so that our money doesn't control us, but we control our money. Amen? So we're doing something different. For this semester, uh, summer semester of Connect Groups, we're doing something special. What we're doing is we are going to present this material and this class for only six weeks every Thursday, starting this Thursday, 6.30 p.m. I'm going to be there. A lot of our staff is going to be there. But we're going to be right here at the church, series at church, Thursday night, 6.30. We're providing light food. We're trying to, like, trick you into coming so that you can actually manage your money well. Like, we want you there, free child care provided. All you got to do is buy the book. You can buy one per couple if you want. It's only 17 bucks. But we want to give you actual tools to really help you, not just talk about it, but to really watch. Here's what I, I've been learning in this thing. I've been learning how to set goals, how to budget, how to manage savings, how to just 
It's amazing. And this is what I love most is the book is small. See how small the book is? You know what that means? It means short chapters and big letters. So it's like super easy. Like for someone like me, I'm like, I don't have time to read some long course and all this curriculum. This is super easy to read. And our staff were just like, we got to share this with the church. So one of the tools that we're doing, yes, I'm going to preach on it and encourage it, but I'm making available that if you come up here on Thursdays, I don't care if there's 10 people, 10 people's lives are going to get blessed and they're going to like turn their finances around. I don't care if there's 600 people. I'm hoping that there's more of our church saying, well, well, I'm already doing pretty good with my money. There's more you can learn, and we're going to do it together, and we're going to have a good time doing that. So that's available, but here's the thing. you got to sign up for it. We just need to know because we need to buy the food, and we need to have enough child care workers. So on your app right now, again, the app is amazing, right? You can sign up for this thing right now. You can even pay for the book right now. Or if you go into the courtyard, all the people wearing the red shirts that talk about connect groups, they'll take care of it. They'll answer your questions. If you need help downloading the app for whatever reason, they can help you with that. But is that okay that I took some time to say that? We're trying to help you. I'm just trying to give you guys tools. I want you to succeed. I want you to have college funds for your kids. I want you to go after your dreams of like, I want to take a dream trip or I need a new truck or whatever. Like, I want to help you get it done. And this guy is pretty awesome. So is that cool? There's my sales pitch. We're done. We're over it. Can we get back to the Bible now in Jesus name? Here we go. Let's get into a couple things. I think they're going to help you shift your perspective on money. And the first thought is this, is that you have to understand that God actually wants to help you with your money. The question is, can God help me with my money? Does he even want to? Does he give me any advice? No, God literally wants to help you. There's over, listen, over 2000 verses in the Bible they talk about money, possessions, and resources. Over 2,000 of them. That means there's 10 times as many verses in Scripture that talk about money and possessions as there are that talk about salvation and faith. Did you know that? That's crazy. No, no, the Bible's all about salvation and faith. Yeah, but there's 10 times as many verses that talk about how we manage and how we steward the resources that God gives us and our finances. That's crazy. So, so 16 of Jesus' 38 parables have to do with money and possessions. So we got to understand this. God wants to help you. God wants to help me. We just got to take a look and dig in and see what, what he has to say about it. Here's the first thought that I believe is going to change the way that you think about money. And it's in your notes right there. You can write this in. Is you got to get to know this, is that everything comes from a good father. Everything in life comes from a good father. Some of us are going, well, I don't know about that, Pastor Carl. It's my job. I got the job. Honestly, it's my money. Like, I know you want me to give. I want you, to, you want me to manage it. But really, I made it happen. And the sooner that we begin to realize this, wait, as Christians, who owns us? Who owns everything we have? The song that we sang, it's your breath in my lungs, right? That's why I praise you. That's why I sing out my praise is because everything that we have belongs to God. Now you can say, oh, well, yeah, technically we get that. No, think about that. Is that Father God gave the life of his one and only son in order to buy us back so that he could own us 100%. And it's not that he's an owner that's mad and is going, you got to use your money like this. It's the fact that he's a good, good father. And the stuff he gives us, he's entrusting to us. He goes, hey, I know you could totally screw this up and you might do it your own way, but I trust you with it. I'm going to give you this stuff and I want to see you manage it well. So everything comes from a good father. Jesus tells a parable in scripture, Matthew 25. 
Jesus' favorite way to teach life lessons about the kingdom of God and our relationship with him was through these things he called parables. They're little stories that it tells a real story, but it has a significant spiritual meaning. And in this story, there's a picture of a man that's a, a landowner, a rich man, represents God. And then he has some servants, which represents us. And so he tells a story in Matthew 25 that says, in verse 14, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. This represents God, right? It says he called together his servants. He called three of them. And he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Again, God trusts us. The money that we have, the life that we live, the air that we breathe, the personality that God designed you with, the purpose in your life, he's going, it's all mine, but I'm trusting it to my kids and I want to see what they can do with it. It says he entrusted his servants with money while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one guy. He gave two bags of silver to another guy and one bag of silver to the last guy. And he, it says dividing it in proportion to their abilities, he then left on his trip. And this is the picture of God kind of going, hey, I've given you all of this stuff and you're going to meet with me later. But right now when you live your life, let me see how you manage your stuff. But listen, here's a big thing you got to catch. He divided it to each of those guys according to their abilities. Meaning that sometimes in our lives we're like, well, I would do better with my money if I had more of it because that guy over there has five bags of silver. I only got one bag. And we have a tendency to compare and to complain. What you have to understand is that God, in all of his wisdom and his, everything that he knows in life, is he's going to give you exactly what you need for right now in your life. It could change. He could bless you. You could learn something. But there is a reason for the season that he has you in in your life right now. So don't come into church right now and go, oh, all these other people are going to have blessed finances, but you don't know how strapped I am. You don't know how little bit I have. That guy has five bags of silver. That guy has two bags. That guy has, well, I, I have a half a bag of silver, Pastor Carl. Like, I have Ziploc bag of silver. You guys know what I say? Anybody feel like Ziploc bag? Like, you're just like, I don't have much. And here's the thing is, don't compare. It doesn't matter how much you have. It's what you do with it. So here's what the what this thing is saying is that God is this owner. He trusts us with all of this. See, when I tithe, this is my reminder. This is what tithing is for me. Oh, I got to go give money to God? No, it's not that at all. What I understand about the tithe is I'm not giving a tithe a 10% to God. I'm returning the tithe. God gave me everything. He's a good father that trusted me with the ability, the, the, the mindset, the, the strength, the health of body to work whatever the job is. He, he hooked me up with that job. He gave me life itself. It's all from God. So when, when he's asking for a tithe, all I'm doing is I'm not giving him a tithe. I'm just returning what's already his. Like he entrusted it all to me. So that's just, that's my little side plug for tithing. This isn't a tithing sermon. But this is the reality is when you understand that everything comes from a good, good father that loves you and trusts you with it, you'll think differently about your money. See, you treat your money differently if it belongs to someone you love. Think about that. You'll treat anything in life differently if it belongs to someone you love. You'll, you'll take it more seriously. You'll do your absolute best to manage it and take care for it. I used to go up to California once every couple years um, to visit uh, Kanani's parents, uh, my in-laws. And they lived in Huntington Beach, and we would try to get a family trip up there once every couple years. And the great thing about going anywhere that you travel to and staying with family is you save some money, don't you? 
Like, think about it. Like, like, you don't have to pay for a hotel. You get to stay at grandma's house for free. Hello. That's a good thing right there, right? And you don't even have to go out and buy all the food. Why? Because grandma wants to cook for you. Amen. Thank you, grandma. Cook away, right? And the best thing is, too, like, you don't have to rent a car because Papa, Papa Glenn, he, just, he recently passed away in March, and I miss him. I think about him a lot. I miss him a lot. I know I can't wait to see him in heaven again. It's going to be so good. But, but I think about him, and I think about every time we would go visit them in California, he would let us use his car, and we'd go everywhere. All the good spots in Southern California, Disneyland, come on, Disney, Disney, Olive Garden, come on, Trader Joe's, In-N-Out Burgers. All right, okay, you guys are tracking with me. So we'd have the freedom, the car, that he gave to us to use while we're there to drive to all of those good spots and put on weight and do all that we did, right? So we had this great time. And, and the thing is that every time I'd give the car back to him at the end of the trip, man, I knew it was his car. So while I'm driving, I'm like super blessed that he's letting me use it. So I'm going to go get it washed. I would wax it, I'd detail it, try to change oil on it. I'd fix it up, fill up the gas tank, give it back always better than he gave it because it's like, man, we're using what's yours, so we're going to take care of it really nice. And I remember one day that I asked, or I just thanked him. Hey, thank you, Papa, for letting us use your car every time we come up here. And he just, you know, he was, he was 88 when he died. He was almost 89. He's an older guy, and he would just, he would always drop those, like, just slow wisdom statements on you. Anybody got someone like that in your life? You're just like, you are Yoda. Like, it's a, like, and it's just so good. And so I go, hey, thank you for always letting us borrow your car. And he would always just go like this, no, you know why? Which is his standard answer. Even if you were right, he would start it with no. So I was like, thank you. It's such a blessing. You're such a blessing to us. Let us borrow your car. No, you know why? I'm like, uh, no, but tell me. And he told me this. He said, because you're a family, because we're the parents and we're supposed to share Everything I have is yours. Everything, my house, and everything I have is available for you because we love you. You're our kids. You're our family. I was like, oh. And he goes, it's just like our Heavenly Father. And he shares everything with us. And I just sat down for my Yoda moment, and he just started going, yes, I receive what you're saying to me. But here's the reality is, if you can get this in your head, the way that you spend your money is that God lovingly has given it to you and shared it with you and trusted it to you. You're going to spend it and use it differently when you're going, I got to do the best I can with what he's given me. Does that make sense? Like the first perspective change is that you treat it differently if it belongs to someone that you love. You're going to try to maximize what you got, make the most of it. And this doesn't just apply to money, but it's your personality, it's your sphere of influence, it's your networking. It's the skills and talents that God has given you is that, that, man, he's a good father. He's blessed me with all of this, and I want to use it well. Amen? Here's the first one. Here's the second one is because of that, we need to learn to be a good manager. You can learn to be a good manager because he's expecting us to do something with it. And with our money, we want to learn to be people that can manage our money and not let our money manage us. Like we control the money, not let the money control us because we're so strapped with all of our bills and stuff. Matthew 25, 19, it says, after he had given the five bags, the two bags, and the one bag to his servants, it says, after a long time, the master returned from the trip and he called them, each of the servants, to give an account of how they had used his money. Again, this is relating Jesus' teaching that God is going to call us at the end of our lives to give an account. What did you do with what I gave you? 
Like, and it doesn't matter the amount. Like, what did you do with what I gave you? How did you manage your family? How did you manage your walk of faith? How about the words that come out of your mouth? How did you do with managing that? Like, did you spend time with me? Did you get into the word and prayer? Like, God's going to ask us, I gave you this life. What did you do with it? Not just money, but your entire life. And here's what, what happened is you see that you go on and read the story. That the guy that had the five bags, he put it to work. He invested wisely. He doubled the portion. And he goes, hey, master, look what I did. I doubled your money. The guy with the two bags of silver, same deal. He doubled the money. And this is what the master said. He goes, hey, you guys are good managers. Well done, my good and faithful servants. You've been, you've been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And he rejoiced. And he was like, good job. I gave you guys some stuff and you made it happen. You made it grow. That's amazing. And then the guy with the one bag guy, right? He comes along and he didn't manage it well. He didn't do anything with it, apparently. And he actually got punished for it. Look at Matthew 25, 25. He said, here's his excuse. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. I buried it. Look, here's your money back. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Then in verse 27, he goes, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. Here's the thing that I get out of this is it doesn't matter how much you have. It matters what you do with it. It doesn't matter if you got five bags of silver, two, whatever. It doesn't matter if you're like, man, I, I, I'm born into this life and life is tough and th- times are tough and things are hard and I just don't have that much. And God's going, it doesn't even matter how much you have. It's what you do with it. But here's the thing we got to be reminded of is God actually expects me to do something with whatever it is that he gives me. That we're not just created and put on earth to go, well, I just live and I exist and I'll make it to heaven someday. No, there's more to our life than that. We have purpose and God is actually going, I've given you whatever, a lot, a little, whatever. What are you going to do with it? And it's, and it's for us to remember, it doesn't matter what we have, it's what we do with it. There's this famous pastor in the 1700s by the name of John Wesley. I don't know if you've ever heard of John Wesley, but he was an incredible uh, pastor and preacher. He actually started the whole Methodist church, the whole Methodist movement within Christianity. And there's this quote that he has in regards to preaching on how we can be good managers of the money and the resources of the things that God has given us. And here's the quote. Here's what he says. Having first gained all you can, secondly saved all you can, then you should give all you can. Those are three words. You write them down in your notes. I don't think there's even a space to write them. Just add them in. But gain all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. The first one, gain all you can, means this. Work hard. Be a hard worker. Earn your living. Like, be diligent. Don't be lazy. That God rewards hard work and people that actually are... are Here's the thing is, sometimes we think that when I become a Christian, God's going to do all the work for me, and I can kick back and relax until I make it to heaven. And God's going, that's not how I operate. Because I'm a father, you're my kids, there's a relationship that's going on there. Relationship means partnership. That means I'm here to help you and bless you and and do stuff in your life, but I'm also expecting that you're going to love me and you're going to do your part and you're going to work hard, and together, amazing stuff's going to happen in your life. But don't just kick back and go, God bless me, I'm a Christian now, you do all the work. And John Wesley put it right, is having first gained all you can, learn to be a hard worker, Uh, Paul says this in Colossians 3.23. This is a great verse. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you're serving is actually Jesus Christ. Imagine what your job would look like if you walked into work tomorrow morning, Monday, and you realize, I don't care about you, boss. I'm serving a higher boss. 
And so I'm going to do my best not to make you happy, but there's a CEO of the entire universe who I'm trying to please, and I'm going to work my hardest to make the, the best impression that I can, to, to get the promotion, to get the raise, to work hard, to earn my money, to, to show off and do everything that I possibly can because I'm working for God. The master I'm really serving is Jesus Christ. Think of how your attitude at work would change if you didn't look at the human faces you're working for, but you saw it as, God, I'm giving my best because you gave me this job. That perspective changes. So gain all you can. Proverbs 13, 11 says, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears but wealth from hard work grows over time. What areas of your life right now could you be doing a little bit better job at working hard or gaining all you can or earning? Some of us are like, I'm strapped for cash. I, you know, I, I can't do it. I don't have the time to work another job or look for another source of income. I just read a statistic this week that says Americans on average spend 11 hours a day and up to 80 hours a week on screens and on media. That means on phones, on computers, on television, on video games, that Americans average out 11 hours a day. Like, I don't even sleep anywhere near that long. Like, that's, that's a crazy statistic. And I just think about this is, think of all that you could be doing with that wasted time. If you could just actually go, am I really trying to gain all I can? Or am I just vegging out on Netflix and Instagram like half the day? Like, what am I actually doing? But Americans on average, 11 hours a day, what could you do with that wasted time to maybe go, you know what, I think I can climb out of this pit. I could make money. And maybe it's only for like the summer or six months or a year, just that extra job just to get you ahead of the curve. Is The first one is gain all you can. Secondly, he said this, save all you can. As if we'd be a people that learn to save and to invest wisely. There, there's, there's a st- statistic this morning that I was reading on my screen. I was being productive with it though, in the car. I was like, oh, okay, this is a good statistic. But what it said was, up to half of Americans don't have um, a retirement plan. They don't have any, like some of us are going to grow old, stop working, and we don't know how we're going to be taken care of. We're going to have to put the, the priority and the burden on our family members or the government or whatever, but, but we're not saving. We're people that, that don't, haven't learned to save. Like, I want to make sure when I'm done working, I can live comfortably. I can retire comfortably. Emer- emergency fund. How many of us actually have money saved up if the car breaks down, if the dishwasher blows up, if um, floods or hurricane damage or something? Or what about a medical expense? You get sick, you get hurt, something happens, you weren't expecting it, we don't have money saved up for that. If you do, you're fine because you know you've been saving and you're good, you have peace of mind. But for a lot of us, it's like loans, go into debt, pay it off, and it's just more of a burden on us. So are we saving for emergency? Are we saving for retirement? Are we saving for our kids' college funds? Are we saving for our kids' weddings? I just realized my kids are getting old enough. They're like, oh no, they might get married soon. Like I gotta, I wanna pay for that. I wanna help them with that. I gotta be thinking about this. Am I saving to help them with that? But what about this? What about just money saved up for your dreams? Some of you guys got dreams and you got goals in your life that you're like, if money wasn't an object, if I could really do whatever I wanted and I had space to breathe financially, I would love to start up a cafe or a food truck or have a plan at, at starting this new career or I would love to visit. Like for me, there's, there's places I want to go. I want to go to Ireland someday. I want to go to, to Israel again. You know, Anchor Church, Pastor Rob's getting together a team. In February of 2021, a couple years from now, we're going to take a trip to Israel, the Holy Land, whoever can make it in here. And I go, oh, right on, I'm going. How much does it cost? Between four and $5,000. Oh, 
I don't know if I'm going. <laughs> I don't have four or $5,000 lying around. But what does that tell me? How much can I start saving now per month, every single month, every paycheck, so that in two years from now that I have the money? Save all you can. Celebrate those dreams. You want to buy the new truck? You want to you purchase your new home, right? Carrie, you said you guys are moving in. Like, that takes planning and saving. So save all you can. Listen to this. Um, I'll show you a picture really quickly of this guy picture on the screen. This is this guy named Kim Collins. And here's what you know about Kim Collins. You guys maybe never heard of him. He's a track and field sprinter from St. Kitts and Nevis, which is actually a country. It's an island nation, two main islands, St. Kitts and Nevis in the West Indies. This guy is an Olympic competitor and former world champion in the 100-meter sprint. What's most impressive about this guy is his longevity. Now, listen to this stat. This is like kind of mind-blowing. This guy, Kim Collins, represented his country at the Summer Olympics six times. How often do the Olympics roll around? You guys know? Every four years? This guy has been called one of the fastest men alive for over 24 years. That he's, I mean, that alone just speaks to the, I mean, I don't even run when someone's chasing me. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm like, nah, it's cool. Just catch me. Beat me up. Like, do whatever you need to. Like, I, I just, I don't run to my truck, you know? Like, and here's this guy for 24 years. He's been competing at an Olympic level. Um, it's unreal. It says he's also the oldest man to run 100 meters in under 10 seconds at the age of 40. How crazy is that? I can't even make it to the kitchen from the couch in under 10 seconds. But how did he do it? And here's how he says he did it. Listen to what he said. This is his quote. Strive for continuous improvement instead of perfection. Strive for continuous improvement instead of perfection. That means he was just getting better a little bit more every single day. He had daily like goals that he was trying to set, times to be continually improving. And this is what I, what I believe about saving money, is that saving small amounts over time is going to add up, and you're going to achieve your goals. That means you're like, well, end of my paycheck today, I only got like 37 bucks left over, and what, I might as well just spend it. Treat yourself, right? And the reality is like 37 bucks tucked away. Next paycheck, tuck away the other $42 or the $120. And what happens is, I mean, just think about that. $100 that you just put into a savings a month at the end of the year, how much money is that? These are $1,200. 12 months in a year, $100 a month, $1,200. That's $1,200 more dollars you would have if you were intentional about saving, and it's just saving a little bit, five years, what are we talking about? $6,000. Anyway, you guys are slow at math. But I'm just saying the point is this. Save all you can. There's reasons why you need to be saving that money. And the third thing that John Wesley preached was that you should give all that you can. That you've, the, the world would tell us this. Earn and gain all you can. Then save all you can. End of story. You win. But in God's economy, it's this. Now that you've earned, now that you've saved, now give. Like, wait, that's just counterintuitive. The, the economy tells us that's opposite. Like, we should earn and save all that we possibly can. And here's, here's the reality in God's kingdom about people that he wants to bless. And he goes, that once you've, you've been good managing and earning it, and you've saved it, now here's what I love about my servants and my kids the most, is a generous heart. Go give all you can. Be a blessing, and I will reward you. That's, that's a kind of like God that we serve. Proverbs 21, verse 26 says, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly, oh, the godly are different. The godly, they love to give. And where you're giving from is more important than what you're giving to. 
and how much you can give. What, what kind of a heart are you giving from? Because God promises in his word time after time that he's going to reward those that are givers, that not just you gain and you save, but you actually have a generous heart. Here's a cool story. You guys all know the story of um, our church getting broken into a few weeks back. We made the news and everything, and someone broke in on a Friday night after services, middle of the night, and they ripped a hole in the tent, and they, they were ducking around the cameras and everything like that. They knew where the cameras are, right? So that means they had been to church before, and they knew where the cameras are. You might be here today, and it was you. We got you on camera. Get ready. I'm praying you meet Jesus, but I'm praying you get caught. I'm just saying, that's my, just like my plug, just be aware, justice, he's a God of justice. But anyways, these guys broke in and they stole Trevor's guitar and they stole our bass and they stole computers and iPads and they stole all of this kind of stuff and, and we were just all bummed out about that and everybody knew about it and here's what was so cool about godly people. The godly people stepped up and they said, here's our heart, even though we earned, even though we saved, that's our pastor, that's our church and all these people, all of you guys started coming out of the church and just going, how can I give? Can I help do this? Can we help buy this? And can we help replace this? And I'm just like, wow, that's God's people coming together. We had another church that saw us on the news. Church wrote a church check and said, we want to bless Anchor Church for that. That's godly people going, I got the right kind of heart that God wants to bless. We had a guy that doesn't even go to church, just saw, um, saw the story on the news, and he wrote us a check, and he goes, I, I feel bad about what happened. Here's some money to, to help replace what was up. I thought, oh, that's so cool. So meanwhile, we're thinking we got to replace Pastor Trevor needs a new guitar. He's our boy. He's on staff. Of course, we're going to pay for that. We're going to take care of that. His old guitar, they found it stashed in the bushes like two days later, but it was all weathered and rained on, and so it was all warped and stuff. And so we're going to send that one in, and that's going to get restored and all that. But it could take up to a year because guitars, you got to press them and dry them out and mold them, all, all this stuff. So in the meantime, we're like, well, we need to get Trevor the best new guitar that we can possibly get. It's his this is calling, and he's good at it, amen? Like, we love when Pastor Trevor leads, and, and so um, we, we got to replace this thing. And then Trevor was around. He was looking at, at different shops and, and trying all the guitars on island, literally playing every single one, right? And he's trying them all out, and, and we had someone in our church, uh, some awesome guy. I'm not going to say his name, but just an anonymous donor that just said, hey, we, we got to replace Pastor's guitar, Pastor Trevor's guitar. And he, he got a hold of Trevor, and he goes, hey, we're going to try to get a hui together, get a bunch of people, because we know you want a really good guitar. We want to make sure you have the best guitar. We don't want you just, you know, we want you to have a really good one. And so Trevor's like, oh, that's cool and everything. And so long story short, the guy, the donor, happened to be reading Acts that day, Acts chapter 4, where it talks about all the believers had everything in common, and they shared with one another to each who had a need. And the people that had a lot, they gave to the people that had a little, and it was just talking about generosity and unity in the body of Christ. And he just felt like God was telling him, hey, you need to pay for Trevor's new guitar. And so what happens is he goes, okay, God, I'm listening to you. He calls Trevor or texts him, and he goes, uh, hey, uh, Trevor, how's it going? What are you doing? He goes, well, I'm actually at Guitar Center right now. And it's just like crazy that he was told to do this, and Trevor happened to be at the guitar store. And basically, long story short, is this member of our church with the giving heart, because the godly love to give, he showed up down there, and he just threw it all on his card, and he goes, I got you. I'm taking care of you. And now Trevor has a brand new guitar to lead us into work. Isn't that a cool story? Like a heart that loves to give? And here's what I personally know, is that when we give and we have that kind of heart, that God, absolutely, he blesses us. When we have the heart to say, God, I give towards my church, or I give towards, there's 1,300 
I don't know how many, 1,349 or something like that, kids that you guys sponsor through Compassion International, that's $38 a month per kid, and that's how many of them we sponsor. When you're a generous heart person like that, when you give, and not just to the church, you treat people to lunch, you look for needs, you listen to the Holy Spirit, and you go, God, where do you want me to give this money or my resources or my time or my energy? How can I help that God cannot help but be God and bless his kids that are givers. It actually says at the end of the story, if you look at Matthew 25, 29, this is the story of the three servants. It tells us at this point, the third point is this, that good managers get good rewards. Good managers get good rewards. Here's what it says. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. From those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. This is what I know is that when you make space in your life for more of God, then God will fill it. And it could be in anything. We, we talked about this, right? We make a little bit more room for God in the area of, I'm going to devote a little bit more time in the morning to spend reading my word and praying. Then God's going to come in there. He's going to bless you. He'll fill that. It, that time will be time well spent. But in our finances, we learn to be good managers. And we, when we receive, God, it's all yours anyway. I'm going to give back to you. I'm going to give to other people around here. I'm going to manage it wisely. Then God goes, guess what? I'm going to bless you. I love that. I'm going to create more space for, for financial blessing, for resources in your life because you're managing it well. God cannot help but reward his kids that, that manage their money correctly. You're going to have peace of mind. You're going to not be all strapped and freaked out about this when you actually learn to make the money work for you, to understand what God wants for your life. Over 2,000 verses in Scripture, God's trying to get our attention and say, here's how you do it right. Here's how you do it well. So I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to end it with this. I challenge you this week, do one thing that will help you to gain more, to save more, or to give more. Gain more, maybe it's just like you need to try a little bit harder looking for that job. Maybe you need to kill some of that screen time and figure out a different source of income that's going to help the needs of your family make something work out. Maybe you just need to start a savings account. Start saving for something. God's telling you right now, man, save. I've given you dreams. I want you to fulfill those dreams. Go visit that country. Go buy that new truck. Go start that business. But you got to start saving right now. And maybe it's just generosity. Like a lot of us, there's there's people I know in here that are very well-to-do, that you've learned to, to, to gain all you can, and you save all you can. And it could be that God's just convicting you right now to like, hey, share some of that with some of those guys in need. Like that anonymous donor that said, I'm going to buy Pastor Trevor's, that new guitar. Like just look for areas like that. Is that a good challenge? And if you can't do that, show up Thursday night and you're going to learn some stuff with me. Sign up on the app. Let us know. We're going to have a good time in that series. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we, um, we thank you for your word today, as we always do. It's so good. It equips us in our lives and not just about the the stuff that we think is like spiritual stuff, like faith and prayer and forgiveness and healing and all that, but Lord, just the practical stuff like our money, how we manage our lives and how we can get ahead and how you actually want to help us. You're not leaving us on our own and we got to freak out and figure stuff out, but you actually, your word is full of advice on how we can be better and how we can have a little bit of room to breathe and freedom to, to say where our money goes and to manage it and not let it just manage us. Help us this week, Father God, to take this to heart, practical stuff, walk out of here and and put it to good use. I pray right now, Lord, though, as we, we continue to pray, eyes are closed, heads are bowed, that we're all in here together. I pray that if there's anybody that's looking for a relationship with God, maybe you've never even, um, you never even come to the place where you're in a relationship with God. Like you don't know for sure if you are a Christian, or maybe you're here today and you know you're not, but you're interested, you want to be. You want to see what God could do in your life, even in the practical areas like money. 
It's, it's interesting for you maybe here today to realize that God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. He's not going to judge you and condemn you and make you feel terrible about all the wrong things that you've done in your life, but he's actually here to go, yeah, yeah, I know all that already, but that's why my son went to the cross, to forgive that, to heal that, to make something really cool out of the mess that you've made of your life. And if you get that today, and in your heart right now, you're just saying, man, I need more of God. I need to understand what he's all about. I need to, I want to follow him. I want him to, to have my back and to, to begin moving in my life and doing things that I can't do on my own. And if you'd like to become a Christian here today, as we're praying right now, I want to lead you in a simple prayer simple prayer of the heart. It's not all about the words. It's what's going on in your heart. So I'm going to pray the words out loud for you to become a Christian here today, to say yes to Jesus. And all you got to do is pray it in your heart, the words that I say. I'm not going to make you pray it out loud in front of everybody, but you would agree in your heart the words that I'm saying, and God will meet you here where you're at today and begins to make some changes in your life, and it's really good. But if you'd like to say that prayer with me right now, every eye closed, every head bowed, can you let me know that you're going to pray that prayer with me, doing one simple thing right now? No one's really looking. Can you just raise your hand right now and go, Pastor Carl, I want that. I want God in my life. Good. I see some hands going up. I see you. I see you. I see you. Can you hold them up? I just want to make sure that you're seen. I see this hand. I see a hand over here, another hand over here. I'm just looking around. There's two hands in the back. Praise God. If you're out in the courtyard or in the kids zone or you're watching online, God sees your hand. He sees your heart right now. Praise God. I see all those hands and those hearts. Would you just make this the prayer of your heart right now? Here we go. God, I'm here today and I need you. Lord, in my heart of hearts right now, I'm just calling out and I'm just, I'm, I'm done trying to, to be the boss and the Lord of my own life. I need some help. I need you, God. I need to know you love me. You love me enough to send your son to die on a cross for me. And he didn't stay dead. That's a miracle of Jesus is that he actually rose from the dead, defeated death itself thereby defeating all the sin and the separation from God that's in my life. All my guilt, my baggage, my bondage, my issues, it's, it's all gone because of Jesus. So I believe that right now, Lord, that your free gift of salvation covers me. And from here on out, you're going to begin to move in my life and show me how to live and give me freedom and, and make me a new creation. So God, from the bottom of my heart, the answer is yes to all that you have for me. Thank you for being my God from this moment forward. Show me how to live my life. Thank you that I get to know you for all of eternity. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Amen. Can we praise God with those people really quickly? Amen.